I want to thank our sponsor, Planet Ford. Planet Ford has always been a proud supporter of law enforcement in the community, providing customer service and fleet management, sales and service. If you're looking for that personal quality service, contact Planet Ford in spring or online at planetford.com. You're listening to Crime Scene Today, where we talk about current and future issues facing law enforcement, forensic, crime scene investigation with subject matter experts from law enforcement perspective. I'm your host, Dan Zentek. Joining me today on the show is Dave Anderson. Dave Anderson is a West Point graduate, a decorated combat veteran. He earned a bronze star during Operation Desert Storm, along with co-authoring the Amazon bestseller, Becoming a Leader of Character. Dave's authored more than 700 articles on leadership and personal growth on his blog site. Since 2017, Dave has personally led over a thousand law enforcement professionals from 45 different agencies through his officers and agencies of character seminar across the country. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Dan, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, now one of the things that uh, reason that I had got in touch with you is uh, you were featured in Police Chief Magazine, Great Ideas for 2020, uh, sharing the future of policing. And after uh, seeing that article, uh, I looked a little bit further into things and found out that uh, you have a bestseller for becoming a leader of character. And you know, before we we get into the book, and I really want to really want to address so many things that you've talked about in there and what we can do. I, I really wanted to discuss uh, sort of how the IACP thing happened. Uh, obviously, it looks like you were working with a particular agency. So um, tell me tell me how that came about. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Chief Penny Dunn, who is the police chief in Davidson, North Carolina. She had been the assistant chief in Texas, in San Marcos, Texas. And believe it or not, our daughters played college volleyball together. Okay. And when we published, my father and I published this book, Becoming a Leader of Character, uh, Penny and I were sitting on the bleachers watching our daughters play volleyball together. And she, very early on in our relationship, she said, so what do you do, Dave? And I told her about this book, and she she picked up a copy, and after she read it, she called me, and she said, Dave, you've got to do something with this and and, and for law enforcement because we've got really nothing that addresses leadership the way you do and in this book. And uh, as things have progressed through the years, I worked with her at San Marcos and worked did stuff with uh, Davidson, and as we've grown and expanded our presence in law enforcement, uh, Penny's been there the whole time, and the idea came to write an article for IACP uh, and and for the uh, for the Police Chief Magazine, and so we wrote this article together, and uh, just fortunate enough to get it published here just in July in uh, for the Great Ideas t- for 2020. Well, I noticed as as far as your book. Uh, now you have uh, obviously a very extensive military background. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for your dad's service. Uh, I'm sure it was a unique experience riding with your father. Uh, Absolutely, and uh, just an amazing time to spend with family anyway. But uh, just to share that knowledge and and that you have uh, from from a mentor, from your father, and uh, just from someone who's been through so much. But there's obviously a passion in this book. There's a passion that you have in, in what you were uh, speaking of as far as what, uh, what you feel that you found is needed in law enforcement and, and companies uh, with their leadership. Obviously, the first question many are going to ask, right? 
there's a hundreds of leadership books out there, right? There's yeah. many seminars. So, so what about this one? What do you feel? I mean, obviously there's a personal passion. There's a first personal mm-hmm. feeling that you have that this is important. This is sort of hitting the nail on the head of, of making an impact. So what do you feel makes this one stand out? Well, Dan, it goes back to, I was very fortunate, very blessed to go to a, you know, America's leadership school, West Point, and have a father, as you mentioned, who did, he was 42 years active duty in the military, uh, retired as an, uh, as a general. And, uh, and then I got immersed after my military career, I spent 20 years in the corporate world and I was with a huge company that spent so much time on training and specifically leadership training. So I've gone through all those books. I've gone through all those seminars and what hit me while I was going through this was the fact that so many of these seminars and so many of these books are more about management than leadership. They're more about what do you do to other people in order to get them to do the stuff you want them to do? Right. It it wasn't about me as the leader. It was how do you get people to do stuff for you? And I just didn't sit right with me. And as I looked at things and as discussions with my father all the time, and we realized and we talked about it, you know, most leadership failures, well, leadership is a blend of competence and character. This is the premise of what we base everything on. Leadership's a blend of competence and character. Competence is those are those management skills, are the things we go to school for, are the things that we see in most of our uh, training seminars that, that we've been through. But the thing is, competence is knowing what to do and how to do it. Now, there's the other side of, of leadership, which is character. And when you think about most leadership failures that you know of, whether it be in history, whether it be in the news, wherever it may be, maybe people you worked with, how often was it that people failed because they didn't know what to do or how to do it? Most of the time, if they fail because something in their character Something when they had a choice between the harder right and the easier wrong, something in their character failed them at the moment of testing. Most leadership failures are character failures, but hardly any of these trainings, hardly any of these books ever even touched on the topic of character. And if they did, they said something like, well, a leader needs to have integrity. But nobody ever talks about how do you go out and get integrity? How do you build character in ourselves and the people around us? And that's where the whole premise of the book came from, which is what we saw was a gap in leadership training and development that was out there. So, yeah, I mean, I know I've sat through many leadership and you make the list, right? I mean, they'll show, throw out the list of what you think a good leader is and you have all that. And you're right. There's many classes you go to. They don't really explain uh, what those are or how to obtain those. It's, and it's come back many times that people say, just because you send someone to the training, that it doesn't mean they left and all of a sudden are going to be a good leader. Now, uh, whether that's, you know, and obviously there's much debate, born leader, trained leader, you know, if you have uh, those type of things. But I, I agree that there's certainly not been a sense of the character traits, how to obtain them. We know what good ones are we can list them out we can make a whole whiteboard of them Mm -hmm. Uh, but again uh, you really focus on the specific characters and you divide them out uh, specifically uh, addressing them in the book so you talked about your relationship uh, with the chief 
and how it sort of got you the background. Obviously, with the situation in, in many areas, and it's not the same, we've talked about that on the show before, how uh, things that are happening in Seattle, things that are happening in Chicago are not exactly what's happening in Texas or other areas. It's just different based on the community and such. But obviously, there's a draw for reform or connection with the community. Uh, so how do you feel that this comes about as far as the officer and, and characters and things that you're doing with your curriculum? Well, it's been interesting because, you know, law enforcement's been hit with a one, two, three punch. It's been the, it's been COVID and then it's, it's been the, the protests and then it's been COVID's come back again. And it's, and it's uh, in my discussions with law enforcement leadership all over the country during these last four or five months, we keep coming back to the same thing, which is the fact that there's been a gap in, in the training, as we mentioned before, and this officers of character training that we've put together and curriculum we've put together really is that part of the solution. We 100% believe in the, the, the agencies that we've been working with believe that this is part of the solution that agencies and communities have been looking for. Because, you know, communities want to trust law enforcement. Law enforcement want to be trusted by their communities. And how do we do that? Well, it's not by doing training the same way that we've always done it. And I, I'm not saying that law enforcement training is broken because it's not, but it does need to be updated in a lot of ways. And adding this type of officers of character training, where it's not just about the tactics that we use, it's not just about how do we, uh, how do we uh, handle certain situations tactically, it's more about who we are as a person as we are out there on the streets, as we're out there encountering the public, as we're out there facing sometimes very difficult circumstances, how are we preparing our officers for those for those situations outside of just tactically? Well, and I think you made a great point just by saying how are we preparing the officers? Because in my experience and in going to um, much leadership training and, and different things, it usually starts at sergeant level. Right. It starts with your sergeants, your lieutenants, and, and on up. And it's the administration will go to leadership training. They may hear many things such as what you've put in the book as far as development of a character, of a person, and, and leading uh, your people. But you're more addressing of the character of the officer, the actual patrol officer on the street, and the impact that would have uh, in the community efforts. Dan, you're exactly right. And this is something I say. And when I do, whether I'm doing live or virtual events and things is the fact that as a civilian, I have a little bit of a unique perspective because I'm part of the 1% I actually served in the military. So when I see somebody roll up on a scene, I know what that rank on your shoulder means. Right. 99% of the people don't know what that rank is. They just know that somebody in a uniform with a badge just rolled up on the scene. That person, when that happens, has become the leader on the scene. It could be somebody straight out of the academy, and it could be a 30-year veteran like yourself. But the general public doesn't know what that rank means. So everybody, that person who's on the scene, becomes a leader automatically. And, uh, and even inside agencies, it, you know, whether or not you're somebody who has two years of experience or 20 years of experience, a organization that has leadership at every level, no matter what the rank, is going to always be a stronger organization than uh, an organization that only has leadership at the top. 
So now to get a little bit uh, into the book um, and breaking apart some of the things, uh, you specifically started with courage and humility and actually put those sort of in their own section uh, before the rest. And if you could just sort of talk about, uh, I guess, why those were forefront, why you uh, felt those should be separated in, in some way. Yes, sir. The, the reason why we started out with those two were the fact goes back to that statement I made earlier, which was most leadership failures are character failures. But what causes most of our character failures? I always ask people, think about the things that you regret in life. Those choices that you made that, you know, that are big ones, the big regrets that we have. And you look back at the cause of those choices. What caused me to make that, make that choice at that moment? And it usually goes back to two issues, fear or pride. Fear or pride cause most of our character issues. You know, I should have spoken up. I should have said something. I shouldn't have let it go so far. I should have said I was sorry. I should have said I was wrong. I should have admitted to that. I should have listened to that other person. Those are fear and pride working inside of us. And so if we're going to talk about character and we're going to talk about how to build character, we've got to start with what causes most of our character failures. And that, that's fear and pride. So we start with courage and humility which are the antidotes to fear and pride. So now if you had, uh, I don't know if you say uh, some resistance. I mean, what, what's law enforcement's take when you start talking to them about courage? <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thing. And I had, and about courage, because when most of us think about courage, we think about physical courage. Right. And I always, and I, I don't question law enforcement, you know, and especially people in law enforcement or the military or fire and rescue, those types of things. I don't question that because you have been trained and you've already proven in life or death circumstances the willingness to put yourself out there, even for people who might not even like you at that moment, you know, and and people in law enforcement are willing to do that. So I'm not really talking. It's not the physical courage that we focus on. We focus more on that moral courage that we have to have to speak up, to step up and say, and, and do what the right thing, even when it's difficult. Um, I always relate. Remember that uh, scene from Saving Private Ryan? When right. there's that, when there's that, or that, uh, uh, that soldier who's standing in the, in, in the hallway while his buddy is in, engaged in hand-to-hand -hand combat in the floor above him, and he's heavily armed, but he does nothing to help his buddy, and his buddy ends up getting killed by that, that German soldier. And I always ask the audience, I ask them, so what do you, when you see that guy standing in the hallway, what do we call that person? And everybody says, a coward. And I say, right, if it's not, if it's not courage, what is it? It's cowardice. But we don't think of it the same way when it's, when let's just say, I just, I, I'm a, I just got promoted into a sergeant position. And now I'm leading people who are my former peers. Now I'm the shift supervisor of people who used to be my peers. And I choose not to address an issue with one of my former peers because maybe I had done something like that in the past. I mean, we don't think of that when we don't, we don't question ourselves and call ourselves a coward in that moment. But I mean, let's face it. If it's not courage, what is it? It's well, you know, and I think that, um, it's it's strange as as you go through it. I would imagine it's even outside of law enforcement, but in law enforcement, how much we talk about um, 
facing things uh, physically, the the courage that you have to to go towards the gunshot, go towards the fight, and everything else. But the lack of people wanting confrontation mm-hmm. inside their actual, I mean, it's that confrontation. And I know you talk about it in your book with people you worked with before, whether it's possibly your boss, it's mm-hmm. someone of a higher rank. It's, you know, that this is not going to end well. You <laughs> see a problem. Yeah. And, and that's where you, whether it's from fear, from uh, whatever you're facing that you don't step forward and right. at least state your opinion uh, of what happened, you know, right. and luckily if you have that good leader, it's a person that you can step forward right. and they, they at least hear your opinion. They might not mm-hmm. go with it. They may have more information than you had, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make that decision, but at least they're, they're able to listen. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I totally understand as far as it's not always the physical part. I think that there's actually more uh, mental battles going on uh, than there are physical battles uh, that solve the bigger problem. Absolutely. And, you know, to tie this into one of our other habits of character, we talk about integrity. And, you know, integrity is that uh, a buzzword everybody likes to talk about, but we, uh, but people rarely define it. And we define uh, integrity as, uh, as uh, take, taking action and making the right choice, uh, doing what is good and right and proper, even at personal cost. Choosing what is good and right and proper, even at personal cost. And so there's an, there's an issue of courage in there because if we only do integrity when it doesn't cost us anything, that's not really integrity. So you have to have courage in order to have integrity. Otherwise integrity is just an academic discussion people have. If you don't have the courage to act, on your on what you know is right and wrong at the moment the in- integrity is integrity is just something you can sit around and talk about and uh, talk about on sunday mornings or something now you move from courage into humility mm-hmm. and obviously uh, uh that to me is is uh, you know people checking their ego at the door right yeah. and which many many leaders could learn to do uh, <laughs> but um, you know, tell me, tell me how that ties together. I mean, how, how this makes someone, um, I guess a, a better leader in character that, uh, they aren't showing who they are. Uh, it's, it's about their people, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's about the people. And when we, we talk about, uh, and we talk about humility and selflessness tying together, uh, as two of the habits of character, but you know, a leader who put, who puts other people first, well, we don't want to follow somebody who always is putting themselves first. And we've heard the term servant leader before. And all the books on servant leadership are 100% on target as far as this goes. But who wants to follow a leader who can't be to- doesn't listen? Who wants to follow a leader who believes they're always right? Who wants to follow a leader who refuses to learn? I mean, what I see as we age, uh, my father is 87 years old. And he's, by the way, he says, I'm not old. I'm chronologically superior. So (laughs) at 87 years old, I guarantee you, I go to his house. He's got a book on on leadership sitting beside, sitting beside his recliner uh, and a book on leadership that is, uh, that's actually by his bed. He's 87 years old. He served two tours in Vietnam, silver star, 
two two bronze stars for Val- valor, a purple heart, and the guy's still trying to become a better leader. Yet we have some people who believe they have nothing nothing left to learn, or they've stopped trying to learn, and uh, that that takes humility to sit back and say, boy. I might be able to learn something from this kid who just came out of the academy. I might be able to learn something from the person, from the sergeant, even though I'm a lieutenant. Uh, And to have that humility to be willing to learn from others and to hear from others as a leader, yes, it makes people want to follow us, but also it builds a stronger agency because otherwise, and you know it, there are certain agencies out there, and I hear it from officers all the time that you know that they don't believe people are listening to them and that nothing has changed over the last decade in their in their agency it's just the same thing over and over again well and i think one of the things that uh, some people do not get is that you know whether it doesn't matter whether it's law enforcement or or any businesses that there's life experiences that come with that person and there's so many things they have gone through that you have not. And just the fact of their shared experiences of what they could bring to the table in a conversation, if you're not tapping into those resources, what you're missing out on. And you're right. What stops it is if uh, if you think that you already have all the answers, no one else can teach you anything, then uh, you're not using uh, the resource. I mean, every uh, great book on leadership I heard is, you know, you surround yourself with smart people. You know, That's right. you don't have to know everything. You put yourself around with smart people that can give you insight into direction. And, you know, you can have be a great idea, man. But uh, beyond that, it's the people that give you the insight and, and guide you uh, that certainly is, is helpful. But so so tell me where the where the next step in this is. What y'all sort of see beyond that? You have uh, your humility, integrity. And I guess, as you said, it sort of ties into the selflessness. So. Self- you know, and that, that the thing about selflessness is that, um, again, I like to I like to tie this into our development of officers because in our addressing issues, because you mentioned some people don't want to speak up. Some people don't want to have those hard conversations with other officers, uh, whether or not they're a supervisor or whether or not it's a peer to peer conversation. And I tell people that and one of the reasons why they don't want to do it is because it makes them feel uncomfortable. If Dave has to address something with Dan, it makes me feel uncomfortable, so maybe I don't do it. Well, right. now that just put my comfort in front of Dan's development. Right. That's a selfish act. As a leader, I need to have those conversations whether or not it makes me comfortable or not to do it because I'm there for you, Dan. I'm there for, as your leader, I'm supposed to be there for you helping you develop, helping you reach your potential and helping this agency reach its potential and do what it can for the, for the community. And I can't do that if I'm putting my own, uh, we, we define selflessness as act, uh, putting the needs of others before our own needs, desires, and convenience. And so I got to put my own needs and desires in the back burner as a leader and step forward and make sure I do what I can to help that other person grow. So now, and and I think, you know, all these things, they tie very much together. I mean, obviously, uh, if you're not facing your fear, if you have not, um, you know, accepted that someone can know more and add to the conversation and show some humility uh, and doing the right thing and, and being there for others, I mean, all those things are certainly the characters of leadership. I guess the, uh, and, and you talk about probably in each chapter of the book, um, some exercises 
uh, I guess, the opportunities. So, I mean, how does someone, you know, someone that's listening may say, yeah, these are great ideas, but I mean, what are my opportunities? I mean, when, when can I actually do these things? And as y'all said, I mean, give some examples of just day-to-day things that they do. Every single day. I, I want to, our character's like a muscle. We've got to exercise it, right? See, too many people think, well, uh, you know, this little white lie is no big deal, but when the big test comes, I'm going to be ready. Well, we, we challenge people, if you've never lifted 50 pounds, what makes you think you're going to lift 300? Right. And just going to the gym, you know, you don't go to the gym once a week once a week or once a year thinking, well, now I'm, now I'm in shape. You, you know that you have to do it on a regular basis consistently. And so going to a leadership seminar or a leadership class once a week or once a year is not going to do it for our leaders or for me as an individual. I've got to exercise these things daily. So, you know, like I said, having those difficult conversations, even if it's with our spouse at home, if we have to have a difficult conversation, exercise the courage to do that or the humility to say, I'm sorry, I screwed this up. I didn't get the trash out today. Or to, we talk about our duty being uh, going beyond our assigned task and including our moral obligations. Now, our moral obligations face us every single day. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. And one of the things I joke about, what's a little thing that we can do? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm getting ice out of the ice machine, an ice cube falls on the ground. And you know what I do? I'll kick it underneath the, <laughs> kick it underneath the refrigerator and not bend over and pick it up. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm sure you're not the only one. I can tell you this. <laughs> it's a small thing, right? It's a small thing, but it's 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 a character rep. I've got a good friend, uh, Colonel Craig Flowers, who who talks about character reps, and you do these character reps here, just like you do a rep in the gym when you're exercising. These are small decisions every single day. Our our integrity is tested in small things. When our wife asks us what time we're going to be home, and you know, our our uh, and our courage is tested, our humility is tested every single day. So the more each time we make a choice, it makes it easier to make that same choice again. That's how we form habits: one choice at a time. Well, it's also how you can go down the wrong road by making the bad choice over and over and. You know, they talk about, uh, you know, the, the easiest way to not have to worry about what lie you told is you just tell the truth because you're not going to remember the, the big string of lies and the big plan that you had to cover up the one thing you did wrong versus just stepping up front and admitting what you did. So now many of these words, uh, you know, and descriptions of character that you've had, you know, uh, are pretty common words. I mean, even though you've, you've put sort of a different definition on them to, to clarify them, but two sort of new ones, the duty and positivity. So these mm-hmm. are ones that I wouldn't, I guess, say jump out. Like in all the leadership classes when we're filling mm-hmm. out the whiteboard, throw out words. These are not two that that are um, popping up on a regular basis. So right. so how did you come up with these? What, what does this mean to uh, the character development? Well, as I mentioned, moral obligations when we talk about duty. We all have moral obligations in life. And, uh, you know, we all get a job description. And a list of tasks that we're supposed to do. And a lot of people, where they fall short is they say, well, it's not my job description. Right. Right. Well, this, you didn't tell me I'm supposed to do that. Uh, for instance, you tell your kid, uh, take the trash out, and he takes the trash out. That's his assigned task. 
But his moral obligation goes one step further, which is to put a new bag in the can and in, right. in, back in the kitchen, right? But they don't do it. Uh, and, and that's a kind of a funny example. But so often we just look at our job descriptions and we say, well, that I've done my job. But there's more to our job than just what's listed on their job description. And our moral obligation, I want to go back to developing people. Uh, what the development of people is every is everybody's responsibility. Everybody's everybody in leadership is responsible for developing people. And in the military, the there's a lot of parallels between the culture in the in law enforcement and culture in the military. Sure. And but one of the things that's very different is is in the military, the only person not responsible for developing somebody is the private that's straight out of basic training. After that, the private first class is responsible for the private's development, the corporal for the private first class, the sergeant for the corporal, all the way up to the chairman, the joint chiefs of staff. Everybody's responsible for the development of somebody. And the more I work with law enforcement, I realize that's not necessarily the case as far as culturally goes. There are good people. There are good leaders out there developing people. I don't want to say there's not, but it's not necessarily a cultural thing like it is in the military that development is key. And as a leader, I'm called to grow the people who, who I'm responsible for leading. And if my people aren't growing because of my influence on their careers and their lives, then I'm not doing my job. I'm not fulfilling my moral obligation as a leader. You know, and I think, you know, a place I've, I would say that sort of stands out to me in, in a challenging area in law enforcement is our field training officers. You know, you choose specific people to take the newest people, sort of the the private that you speak of. And certainly you have to train them how to do the job, right? There's mm-hmm. there's just the bare bones, base. this is how you make a traffic stop. This is how you're safe entering a house. These are just the, the basics of policing. But there's so much more to that. It's when that call drops and that FTO doesn't rush to pick it up, right? Mm-hmm. He lets it hold. Someone else can get that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, we've already taken two reports today. Let's let someone else get that mm-hmm. call, right? Yeah. It's those small things. Well, you're developing that new person and they yeah. start thinking that's, well, that's what we do, right? Right. Well, and as it's just like raising kids, more is caught than taught, right? right. They, people pay more attention to what we do than what we say. And as leaders and FTOs, in every situation, we have an opportunity there at that particular moment to really set the stage for could be for that person's entire career. Sure. Right. And that is these choices that we make over and over and over again, not only affect who we are, but they affect the people around us because they're watching. They're watching us. And so our duty to fulfill those moral obligations is, yes, it's to build our own, our character, but it also has the influence on the character around, uh, around us, the people around us. You know, I think one thing that we sort of lose as we promote is, is the awe. And what I mean by that is when you first got into the military, when you first got into law enforcement and you saw that sergeant walk in the room or you mm-hmm. saw your trainer walk in the room, there was just an awe to it, right? They know right. everything. Okay. Right. And then, then you promoted to that rank and realized, no, they didn't. There, there was, you know, that there was no magic wand that was, that was swung around. And all of a sudden I got all the knowledge and you're still learning and everything else. But 
I, I feel that somewhere along the way you you lose that understanding or of what that new recruit thinks, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're looking at you. They're looking at everything you do. They mm-hmm. want to be like you, or they want to learn real quick that they don't want to be anything like you. You know. Well, you bring up a great point that ties into that positivity thing there, Dan, is because the attitudes of the senior, uh, of the of the more chronologically superior officers, that right. <laughs> those attitudes are contagious, um, and you know we uh, we define positivity as displaying a positive or can-do attitude in all circumstances, not depending on our circumstances, but in all circumstances. And our attitudes are a choice. Uh, and I, I, I remember this because my father said to me in high school one time when I popped off at him, he said, hey, bud, your attitude's a choice. Make a different choice. And these, everything we're talking about today are choices, but our attitudes are as well. And each time we make a choice, it makes it easier to make that same choice again. And as that FTO or that guy who has 20 years of experience, uh, the people watching him or her are these young, impressionable, brand new officers. And if they, if we're walking around like Eeyore, uh, you know, in Winnie the Pooh, complaining all the time, I can't believe they're making us use pay, uh, paperless tickets. I've been using the I've been using the old system just fine, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what they're going to do? They're right. going to emulate what our what our most experienced people are doing, and then you have a morale problem led by the people with the most experience uh, in in the agency, and as leaders of character, and as people with the experience, we've got to realize that our attitudes are contagious, and especially to the people who are just starting out and starting out their careers. And no matter what our circumstances are, we have a choice to make. We can be positive or negative. I'm not talking about being a Pollyanna and pretending that there's nothing negative going on, that we don't have issues out there in the world, but it's how we, how we, address those situations, how we behave in the midst of those circumstances that determines that determines and is a window into our own character. So what would you say in, um, in addressing law enforcement, putting all these classes, what would say is your biggest hurdle as a trainer coming in that you've had to face? I mean, whether it's resistance or what do you think the, the biggest um, obstacle that you've had to overcome in, in training law enforcement on this? Mm. Uh, on, I think the biggest issue I've had to overcome is the fact that, uh, some agencies have had me come in and they have me start in the middle of the pack. They have me start with their FTOs and they have me start with the, uh, sergeants at that level. And, uh, what usually happens is at that level, they say, this is all great, Dave, but what about the people above us? Right. Sure. Uh, and the agencies where I've seen the biggest, the fastest impact on what we're talking about and the most uh, long lasting is when the command staff has joined the training or they've gone through a separate program with us uh, and now they've bought in and now they can sit there and have these conversations and, and everybody starts talking the same language. Everybody's talking about duty in the same way. Everybody's talking about positivity in the same way, courage in the same way. And now the lying troops are saying, oh, crap, these guys are serious. These guys above me really mean this. They've done this as well. 
and that's been the uh, that I'd say that's been a, been the challenge. And of course, there's the challenge of the fact that I don't have a law enforcement background myself. And so every once in a while, I'll have one of those. I'll have one of the guys uh, in the class. I don't say guys because I, I remember re- remember one female officer challenged me very hard in one area in the first in the first uh, you know 20, 30 minutes. And uh, which is I I consider an honor that they want to challenge me on it, and it's a lot of fun because I'm a pretty straightforward guy. And in law enforcement, the people I get to work with, they're all pretty straightforward people as well. So when I come right back, boom, and I hit hit right back and say, no, that's not accurate. This is what's actually going on, and and we have a debate back and forth. Right. Uh, I tend to get some credibility at that point, and uh, thing the doors swing wide open as far as our conversations go. Well, I mean, realistically, you're you're not talking as much of being uh, a cop as just being a, a good person and a good mm-hmm. and a, a a good leader to to guy. It's it's why you know um, it's not only law enforcement. It seems to be uh, currently uh, where you've had some passion and growing and and certainly have addressed a need. But I mean, uh, you've also worked with. Uh, uh, Dell and pharmaceutical companies and the military and, and all of these things on building these characters. Um, you know, I would think that a lot of the resistance, and as you said, um, there's blame, right? If, if I can blame someone else for what's going on, then mm. I don't have to listen to you. Okay. Right. So if, if, if the leadership's not there, well, they're the problem. You're talking right. to the wrong person, right? I mean, right. we're all great and wonderful, but uh, they're not here, right? So I can, I can see that certainly um, helping. I mean, have you run into a place where the leadership, meaning the admin, is sort of reversing it? They're the problem. We're yeah. fine. We're not going to listen to you. Absolutely run into that. And uh, and what I tell tell the men and women who are in the training class, if they bring that up, what I tell them is I said, look, I actually set it up in the beginning because I've heard that statement multiple times or something along those lines. And I set it up in the beginning. It's our human nature when we go to these leadership things to sit there and listen to all these principles and say, well, these people aren't doing it. And you kind of point upward right, to that. Right. Right? And I tell them, I'm like, look, that's human nature. I understand where you're going with that, but respectfully knock it off. Let's not make this about things that we can't control because we right. can't control them up there. What we can control is our own character and everything we talk about and everything we're going to talk about in this seminar today over the next three days is going to be about things we can control, which is our character. Our character is 100 percent our control. Nobody can give us character and nobody can take it away from us because it's all about our own choices. So don't worry about the people above you. Yes, we can wish that they were doing this stuff, and I'm going to do everything as I can in my position now, since I've been hired to come in here and do this work, to influence that as well. But in the end, it's still our responsibility, it's our duty, our moral obligation to exercise character, no matter what the people around us are doing. That's the problem so often is people look at the people around us and say, well, they're not doing it. Why should I? Right. Well, Leaders of character say, I should do it because I should do it. It's my responsibility. It's my moral obligation to exercise character at this moment. Uh, obviously, in teaching so many officers and different agencies, 
Um, I'm sure you've had the opportunity to, to reach back out to them after the mm-hmm. training. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly it's not, you know, you're given the information, right? I mean, it's not your responsibility for them to use it or not use it or whatever. But I mean, so um, just some, some feedback on, on your training. Uh, what have you found, I guess, reinforced it or, or that uh, made it work or what sort of had it fall off afterwards? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Most it's, for me, going through all that corporate training and also seeing what, what's been out there in law enforcement so often, we have there's a difference between training and development. Training sure. is an event. Development is a process. And so, so often, there's a training event and then nothing happens afterwards. There's no plan for any sort of continuation on how do we continue? I talk about marinating people's brains in these concepts. And how do we do that? And what we've tried to do is now equip agencies where we provide resources for everything after six months worth of training after the after the event, say, if Dave Anderson shows up, we also provide six months of resources so we can continue to marinate people's brains in these six habits of character. And that sort of marination has resulted in a lot of agencies coming back and saying, well, now well, we've done this one group. Uh, let's now start working on the next the next level. Uh, we've had agencies now. There's and down in Travis in Travis County here in Texas and Austin area. They're they're rolling out the six habits of character and the training now to their academy personnel, but to, to their academy cadets because they want everybody in their agency to have these six habits of character and make turn them into muscle memory. So at the moment they're tested, they're prepared. So it's been really interesting to see that uh, as we've developed our own resources for agencies to continue on this, continue on with this, we've seen longer term, more b- widespread change in not just the leadership team, but in the entire agency because these six habits of character are becoming what they do, not just the not just things that they talk about. So, uh, I know that, so how long have you been, it's 2017 that, uh, 2017 you, is when we started working with law enforcement. So, uh, do you see with, I guess, all of the, the things that you talked about, you know, the, the protest and some different areas or where, uh, mm-hmm. do you find that those areas that they're reaching out for this type of training, that they're more receptive to it? Um, or are they in this conflict and, and still just trying to, to dig out from under it. I I've seen, I've seen all the above really, really Dan. Uh, everybody wants it. Let me put it. Everybody wants now because of some of the crisis situation people were in, people are saying, yes, we need this. But of course now they need to have the funding to, to right. do the training. Uh, and let's face it, you know, the issues that we've seen and the issues that have made national news haven't been because there's been a lack of tactical training or a lack of equipment. You right. know, it's been those choices that officers have made at the moment of testing. And how are we preparing them for that? And what's been interesting is, as I've worked with different agencies and worked with the command staff at different agencies, they've been talking about how do we talk to our city councils? How do we talk? When a microphone is jammed in, in front of the sheriff's face, what does the sheriff what does the sheriff say? And the sheriffs are realizing that, you know what, we have a plan 
And it's different than what we've been doing before. We're not just going to do buy more equipment or do more tactical training. We're going to talk about who these officers are when they show up at work and how we behave and our character. And we are going to work, work together with these officers and with the communities. And so what's been interesting is we've been try able to help some agencies come up with plans so they can say to their community organizers, to their city councils, whatever, well, we have a plan to do something different. And that's been really the kind of the, the buzzword, the way people are saying, okay, now we know how maybe we can get some funding for this from the people who control the, control the purse strings uh, and shift some funding around in order to get more of this character training to filter down throughout the entire organization. Well, and I think most of the conversations, I, I, I think the term possibly is, is not as popular as far as defund the police. They probably should uh, come up with a different one than that. But I think that there are some legitimate agencies that see that uh, there's some different reform and things to improve their department. I think, I don't know an agency out there that won't sit there and say there's areas we can improve and to right. look at to improve. Um, but in... All of that, it usually requires some type of development, some type of training and those type of things. So, And, it, and again, Dan, I, I can't stress enough. It's not just throwing together a training event. You can, People can bring me in for a day and I can get passionate and get all fired up about character or whatever. But in the end, what's going to have the long-term change? It's You've got to marinate people's brains in these concepts. You, got, you can't just say, well, you know, check the box we've done training on right. care well we have that we we have that in the law on a regular basis an event happens we get mandated training everybody goes through it and you see them it's like have you had your training you've had your training okay we check it off everybody's yeah. got it good okay and you move yeah. on yeah and you ask somebody you ask somebody a week later uh, tell me three things that you got out of that training they can't even remember they're like which which training? I, I got i got credit that's what i got yeah. i got credit and i and i get exactly to move on right so again, that's why we're so we're, I'm so passionate about, and the team that that works with me is so passionate about providing resources so agencies can take this training event, and move it into long-term development, and have long-term impact. And hey, speaking of uh, your development and, and your passion for it, so um, I have up on the screen uh, your website of officers and character, and and to the right there we have uh, how to get in touch with Dave. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can go to officersofcharacter.com and on uh, Twitter uh, at DaveAnderson88 and his email Dave at ALSLead.com. Also have his uh, LinkedIn, DaveAnderson1988. So switching over from there to the Twitter account, I saw that uh, we have uh, numerous posts from you. Just I would sort of say this is keeping people on track, right? I mean... Mm -hmm. We have uh, a lot uh, recent ones on, on courage and uh, character assessment and those type of things. So um, besides what I have on there, I mean, uh, I guess what would someone need to do? Just contact you by email if they're sort of interested in this. And, and certainly uh, the book's on Amazon. Uh, we've shown some pictures out, but it's becoming a leader of character, six habits that make or break a leader at work and at home. Uh, so there's uh, that to look at. Uh, but uh, how else does someone get, what's the process in someone possibly getting uh, training uh, from you there? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, we do, uh, of course, we've been doing live training for a while, but we are also now uh, doing virtual training because obviously in the COVID times, virtual training and doing those type of events, but we've also developed uh, our facilitator-led training, which is a video-based thing that is that an agency provides their own facilitators and we provide all the materials and all the videos and the facilitator or the training officer is the one that leads the groups through and it's a self-paced program uh, as far as that goes. But if people go to officersofcharacter.com, officersofcharacter.com, that they can see all the materials that we have. You see these posters over my shoulder here. We've got these posters for free that agencies can put up all over all over their agencies to continue to marinate people's brains in these concepts. We have a lot of different materials like that. Of course, you can email me at dave at alslead.com. And on LinkedIn, we have an Officers of Character page, which all of our new blogs show up there as well, and a lot of other uh, announcements about materials and things that are available there. But uh, we, are, uh, we are here to serve. And uh, our purpose is to inspire and equip uh, people so that they become leaders of a character who inspire and equip others to lead with character. And that's why we're here. And so we're here to help agencies all over the country and really now uh, with IACP impacting other countries uh, in order to help them develop these officers of character that we all want to have in our communities, that every agency wants to have in their midst. People want to serve next to officers of character. They don't want to question the people beside them. And we always ask people, you know, would you follow you? And that's a great question for people to ask, to look in the mirror and ask, ask themselves, would you follow you? And everything that we put out there on our websites and all the materials that we have and all the training curriculum that we've developed is all about the idea of helping somebody answer that question with a big positive yes. Well, Dave, I appreciate you uh, taking time to talk to us today and just sharing some some information and, and giving some uh, officers and some management and administration, just everybody, something to think about and, and to be able to look at that further, to reach out to you or at bare minimum, take a look at your book and just some great guidance in there. So thank you so much again for, for joining us. Dan, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I want to say again how honored I've always been to get to work with law enforcement professionals uh, because they are professionals and they're people who care about what they do. And uh, I am honored to be part of, I feel like I'm part of the family because I've been getting to do this for so many years now and I look forward to many more years. You've been listening to Crime Scene Today. We are part of the IR Lone Star Community Radio family and featured on all major podcasts. Currently listened to in 16 countries around the world. If you have a topic you would like covered, if you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you'd like to become a sponsor of the show, please contact me, dan at crimescenetoday.com. We appreciate your continued support. We'll see you next week. <laughs>